My title, my message is Ready, Set, Go. Uh, and so last weekend I was I was asked to speak for our grad service. Uh, and so I began to think about what is it that the Lord wants to say. Because at this, although I want to speak to our two graduates this morning, I want something that applies to all of us. Uh, because we're all here at church this morning and y'all don't want to listen to me just talk to them too all morning. Uh, so I got to thinking about, as pastor was teaching last week, he was teaching on uh, justification and sanctification uh, through our salvation. And I got to thinking, a thought crossed my mind, why do I believe what I believe? You know, as he's preaching these things, as he's preaching justification, as he's preaching sanctification, I'm asking myself, what is it that I believe? And why do I believe it? This is going to get on my nerves. Uh, so, I thought about that. And I said, okay, is it important that I know why I believe what I believe? Or can I just believe stuff? Can I just believe anything? Because if we believe anything, we get to be pretty gullible. And people will take advantage of us, and people will, uh, people will take our money. They'll, they'll, they'll take our stuff. They'll take our dignity if we just believe anything. And so we have to kind of grasp why we believe what we believe. And the question for us as Christians is why do we believe the Bible? Why do we believe God? Why do we believe in God? And so maybe there's different reasons why you believe what you believe. And maybe those reasons are simply that that's what the preacher or the Sunday school teacher has said all my life. That's what they've told me. So he said it. He studies the Bible on a regular basis. He must know what he's talking about. So I'm just going to believe that. Well, I mean, there's there's some there's something to believing the pastor and believing the best in the pastor that he wants the best for you. But is that enough? The next thing that a lot of us get into is maybe we believe based on our life experiences. This happened to me. It's happened to me several times. It's always worked out this way. So that's got to be the way it is. So that's the way I believe. Whether I find anything in the Bible or somebody says anything different and contrary to what I've experienced in life, I'm not going to believe you because this is what I've seen in my life. And then another one is maybe simply reading the Bible or reading a Christian book. Someone says something, you read something, you say, okay, I'm going to take that. I'm going to believe that. Now, there's nothing wrong with believing the Bible. And like I said, reading Christian books and believing, because like I said before with the pastors, they want what's best for you. They're trying to get information out to you that will help you. So it's not necessarily wrong to do these things. But here's the thing. Beliefs are subject to change. You can change your belief at any moment in something simply because something contradicts what you believed before. So looking back at those three things, a preacher or a pastor has always said that thing. What happens when you get a new pastor? Or that pastor reads something different and his beliefs change? Do your beliefs change along with him? Do your beliefs change with the new pastor? We experienced this here uh, just a couple years ago here at North Point. We got a new pastor. There are things that my new pastor says that my old pastor didn't say. So I had a decision to make. Do I believe my old pastor or my new pastor? Do I believe what I believe? I had to make a decision. And I found out real quick that some, some of the things I believed was simply because my pastor said it. Because I thought he wanted what was best. And so I went along with that. But then all of a sudden, can I start believing what my new pastor says? Have I gone and 
figured it out on my own, or am I just going to believe him now? So we have to we have to be we have to be leery of just believing something that somebody says. Our life experiences. This is some people's favorite. This is probably the most well known of why we believe what we believe. Simply, I've lived it out. This is what's always happened. This is the way it's always going to be. Nothing can change that. What happens all of a sudden if you have a life experience that completely contradicts what you've known all of your life? Is it suddenly, is that a fluke? Just, I mean, just a random fluke? Or are my beliefs going to change? Because my life experience has changed. And then last, simply because we read it in the Bible. We read things in the Bible. We read things in a book. There's lots of scriptures that if you read this scripture out of context and you just read that scripture and you take a belief on it, if you flip over three or four chapters, you'll read another scripture that completely contradicts what you just read or seemingly completely contradicts it. So now you have to decide which scripture you're going to believe. You're going to pick which ones you believe, which ones you don't believe? Or are we going to believe them all? And how do we get to the point where we believe them all, even though they seem to contradict themselves? So it's important, guys, that we believe and we know why we believe it. Because here's the thing. But our belief system is more just than just an intellectual knowledge. Believing something is more than just knowing it in my head. I have to get it down into my heart. I have to get to the point where no matter what you say, no matter what I hear, that's what I believe. But at the same time, we have to understand that we must be pliable to receive from God when he wants to change what we believe. When, when we're wrong in our belief and all of a sudden God wants to help us grow and see something in a different light, we have to be willing to let God speak to us. But we can't allow just people in general and this outside world to dictate what we believe. So, are you ready for me to take that drink? She's tired of me walking around with this bottle about ready to take a drink. So, all right. Uh, so, if you haven't noticed, this world is getting extremely dark. This, this world is, is seemingly taking us on a road and a highway basically straight to hell. That is its objective. That is its goal. That is the way this world system operates. And if you and I cannot understand and we cannot explain why we believe something, this world is going to attack you. And this world is going to do its very best to change everything you stand on. And so for our graduating seniors, they're moving into a realm of the college world. And we know that the college world is as anti-God as anything out there. And there are some great colleges that still believe that God is still the supreme ruler of the universe. But there are a lot that believe science over God. And they do their very best to instill in you what they want you to believe. And that's in whatever area of life you work. I mean, or, or go or school or anything like that. There, there is a system and, a, a, and a, a force at work wherever you're at that wants you to function the way they want you to function. At your job, they want you to do your job a certain way all the time and don't de- detour from that because if you do, it messes up our plans. We don't make as much money and all that kind of stuff. And they want you to operate that way. So, our belief has to be threefold. And the reason that we believe and the why we believe has to come from three different areas. It has to basically come from the word, 
it also comes from my life experiences and it also comes from a demonstration of God's power. All three of those things can get you to believe why you believe what you believe. Because there are things you will experience in life that are the truth. You know, and then there are things that you're going to experience that are not the truth. So you have to take something that happens to you, something that you believe, and put it up against those three things. The demonstration and power of God, the word of God, and how has it played out in my life. Because if I believe something that seemingly is a demonstration of God, and I, I think I see it in the word, but it never shows up in my life, then is it really true? Because God's word is true, and when I when I put my faith and apply my faith to it, then it will manifest itself in my life. If it never manifests itself in my life, there's something wrong in my theology and the way I'm believing what I'm believing. So those three things are the keys to getting to the why we believe what we believe. So here we go. Ready, set, go. Right? That's what we're looking at. So getting ready. Uh, I know Cades ran track. I ran track for a semester in school. It was the worst semester of my life. Uh, I hate running. I loved playing basketball, but I did not want to run. I did. I was like, they want you to get in shape. And I'm thinking, I just want to shoot a ball. I don't have to be in shape to shoot. You can be the biggest guy, slowest guy on the court. And if you can make it, you can just stand in one spot the whole time. So the fact of the matter is, I mean, I watch in the NBA. There are guys that play in one spot the whole time. I'm like, I could be that guy. I didn't want to run, but I ran track. So I had to learn a little bit about getting ready, getting set, and going when it came to track. There are specific steps that you must take and things that you have to do. Uh, so when a runner is getting ready, when they, when they yell at the runner to get ready, he has basically already got his block set where he wants to start his running formation from. He gets them all lined up the way he wants them lined up, where his feet need to be at and all that kind of stuff. And when they tell him to get ready, he gets down and he puts his feet into those blocks. He puts his hands in the correct spot, which they always taught me I had to do it like this for some dumb reason. doesn't make any sense to me. This is just an awkward position to put your hands. But I had to do like this, and I had to get ready. And once I was all done with that and everybody in the line, then they would tell us set, and then they would tell us go. But there was a process to getting ready. There's a process that you and I have to get ready. First Peter 3.15 says this. It says, instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. We have to be ready. If we're going to impact this world, you and I have to be ready. So how do I get ready? There's two main things. The first one's meditating on the word of God. When you and I meditate on God's word, when we mull over and we think about God's word on a regular basis, uh, it's getting us ready for this world. It's getting us ready to go out into this world. John 1, 8, Joshua, sorry, John. It started with a J-O, I'm sorry. Study the book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to do, obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. If you and I meditate on the word of God, the word of God says that I will be successful. If I will take time to get ready by meditating on his word, I can have success in this life. It's one of those things. Watch it play out in your life. As you meditate on the word of God, as you study the word of God, watch yourself become more and more successful. Because it'll happen. It's, it's, it's a proven principle of God. Uh, and the second thing is we need to spend alone time with God. Jesus was really good, with, good at this. 
Jesus would get away all the time spending time with the Father because he knew it was necessary for him to be ready to go out into the world, for him to be ready to reach the lost people. Uh, Luke five fifteen and 16, it says, But, but despite Jesus' instructions, the report of his power spread even faster, and vast crowds came to hear him preach and to be healed of their diseases. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Jesus would take times to get away from people, to spend time alone with God. And it's necessary. We need to spend time in the Word, but we also need to spend time with God. God needs to speak to us directly. Because if he's not speaking to me directly, then there's no way I have a relationship with him and I can actually be effective as I go out into this world. Uh, and so we, we have to do these two things on a regular, consistent basis to be ready. Just as if I was getting down in those blocks and getting my hands set and getting my feet set and all that kind of stuff, I need to do these things so that I can be ready. Part of that getting ready was making sure that my blocks were locked in in the places that I need them. I don't know if anybody's ever experienced somebody unlocking a block before you get ready to run. And when you try to push off, you're going to fall flat on your face because your feet are going to come out from underneath you when you press up against those blocks. They're supposed to stay in the right spot. Well, if I'm not meditating on God's word and spending time with God, it's going to be like I've got loose blocks. It's going to be like, you know what, I'm going to get ready to go out. I'm going to get ready to share my faith and tell people about Jesus. I'm going to go explain to people why I believe what I believe. And I'm going to fall flat on my face because I have nothing to stand on. I have no blocks to hold me in place. So, once we get ready, then we have to get set. And for some reason, when you get set, when you're running the 100-yard dash, or the two, you throw your butt in the air. I'm not really sure what the point of all this is. But that's what they told me to do. And I'm glad that they don't wait long to say go, because it would be really odd standing out there with all these guys with their rear ends in the air. But anyway, uh, that's what they, when they would say set, they would basically say, you're, you're in position, you're ready. All right, set yourself to go. What you're doing is you're setting your body up to have the best push-off that you can possibly have to run as fast as you can, as quickly as you can. Uh, like I said, I ran two races when I ran track. I only joined track because we moved to Montana. I wanted to make friends. It was the only sport going on at the time, and I knew nobody, and I thought, you know what, I'm just going to give it a shot. They were like, okay, you got to run two races. I said, what's the two shortest races you got? I want to run the least amount of distances I have to. I never... Never won anything. I did come in next to last place one time in a 100-yard dash, and that was the best I ever accomplished. And I was excited then. So uh, every other time I came in last place. But I, like I said, I didn't like to run. So we get set. Uh, as a track runner, we get set uh, in a position to go. So how do we do that as Christians? How do we get set to go out and share our faith and to tell people why we believe what we believe. Well, 2 Timothy 2.15 says this. It says, work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed, and who correctly explains the word of truth. So it says here, basically, that when I am set to go, I've been approved by God. God has approved me to go into the world. And until I do the necessary steps of getting ready, God's not going to tell me that I'm set. 
God's not going to send you out there to fall flat on your face. He's just not going to do it. He wants you to be as ready as you possibly can so that when he says, hey, you know what? You've done the necessary steps. Now I want you to go out and do what I've called you to do. Whatever it may be. It may not be a a minister position. It may be working at the factory. But there are people at that factory that need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, that need to experience the love of Jesus Christ. And your job is to be ready so that God can set you up to go out there. And that's the necessary thing. We need to allow God to say, okay, I've got you. All the steps are necessary. We've gotten you ready. You've meditated on the word. You've spent time with me. All right, I'm now telling you that this is what I want you to go out and do. I am setting you up for success. So, how do I get approved? How, do I, how does God approve of me? Because we as Christians believe that the grace of God says that he already approves of me. He already accepts me. He already loves me. So what does this mean to get approved by God? Do I need to re- read my Bible more? Do I need to pray harder? Is that what I need to do? See, we said those things are the things you do to get ready, not the things that you do to get set. So don't confuse the getting set and the getting ready as the same thing. Getting ready is meditating on the word. Getting ready is praying. Those are the things you're doing to get ready. Those are not the things that you do to get approved. Getting set is what we do after we've done those things. You see, once we've already spent time with God, once we've already spent time in his word, then we work towards getting set. And getting set is simply, and being approved by God is simply saying, hey, you know what? You're ready to be used by me. And simply put, your heart is in a position to go. When your heart is in a position that you want to experience God's love for other people and you want to share what's in your heart, what God has done in your life with other people, he is saying you are approved. He's saying, I'm ready for you to go. Because if you're in the heart is not set and is not in it, you're not going to be effective. I'm just not. I mean, if, if I go out there just because I feel like it's my duty to share with other people the gospel of Jesus Christ and to pray for people, then I'm really not doing it with the right motive. And if I'm not doing it with the right motive, I'm not going to get the right results. And I'm going to be frustrated and I'm going to be irritated because nothing's happening. I need to get my heart set to reach out to people. That is what being approved by God simply is. He's saying, okay, I know your heart's in the right place. Let's send you out because you've taken the time to get ready. You've taken the time to spend time with me. I'm going to go use you right now, so it's time to go. Uh, you know, remember what we read in Joshua 1.8? It talked about that we uh, study the book. We meditate on it day and night. Uh, and it says, we meditate on it day and night, so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. You see, the other part of being approved is our obedience. You see, we meditate on it so that we can obey it. We read it so that we know what it says so that we can obey it. If we read it just to be reading it, it's just another book. If there's no life behind it. Uh, and then he says, only then will you be successful in everything that you do. You and I have to be obedient to the word. Uh, 
And the second thing is not only obedient to the word, but obedient to the simple voice of God. I remember when God first started teaching me to hear his voice. And I know there's a lot of people that experience the same thing. So I think it's just something God likes to do. I was a senior in high school out at Parker's Chapel. That was a long, long time ago. But uh, I remember being a senior and getting my life right with God and, and, and learning to live for God and wanting God to talk to me and use me and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I would be walking down the sidewalk in front of the old gym, and there used to be a little dumpster, trash can right there. You know, some people like to throw their garbage at the trash can, not necessarily in the trash can. They like to throw it at the trash can because they feel like that's good enough. I made an attempt, and sometimes it didn't go in the trash can. I remember walking down the sidewalk, and something inside of me say, hey, pick up that piece of trash. And I'm like, why? I didn't throw it down there. Why should I pick it up? And I would hear it again, just pick up that piece of trash. And so I'd pick up the piece of trash and I'd throw it away. And this happened several times. And it took me a while to realize that that was God speaking. There's a similar uh, experience that uh, Samuel had when he was a young child in 1 Samuel 3, 7 through 10. It says, Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. So the Lord called a third time. And once more, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? Then Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, go and lie down again. And if someone calls again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed and the Lord came and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. Samuel had to learn that that was God speaking to him, just like I had to learn that that was God speaking to me just by telling me to pick up the trash. But the key was I was obedient. I didn't blow it off. Because, see, here's the thing. If I start blowing that voice off, then I don't start recognizing that voice. And if I don't recognize that voice, I won't listen to it when it tells me to do something for someone else. When, when God wants me to, to go speak to someone or, or help someone or love on someone, if I'm not used to what that voice sounds like, and know how it, knowing how it speaks to me, I'm not going to listen. Samuel lived his life out listening to that voice. God spoke to him and he listened. Uh, in 1 Samuel 16, verse 1, 6 through 13, it says, Now the Lord said to Samuel, You have mourned long enough for Saul. I have rejected him as king of Israel. So fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, Surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, Don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse told his son Abinadab to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, This is not the one the Lord has chosen. Next, Jesse summoned Shimea. But Samuel said, Neither is this the one the Lord has chosen. In this way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel asked, are these all the sons you have? He said, they're still the youngest, but he's out there in the fields watching the sheep and goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down and eat until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one. Anoint him. 
So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had bought and anointed David with oil. Samuel went from the person, the young boy who didn't even know God's voice, to anointing the next king of Israel simply because he was obedient every time the Lord spoke to him. You know, if we want to get to the place that that we're looking for, because we, we all want to get where God's calling us, and we want to do great things for God, and we want to impact lots of people. You know, as, as a youth pastor, I don't want to just minister to five teenagers. I want to minister to 5,000. I want to touch 5,000 at one time. But I'm never going to get there if I don't minister to the five that God's given me. I've got to start where he puts me to get me to the place that he wants to get me. Uh, and so Samuel went from the person who learned to hear God's voice to being obedient to what he said. And, and so simply, even if it went against what his personal thoughts and beliefs were, there are going to be times he looked at these sons and said, that's got to be the one. And God would say, no, that's not the one. But if he hadn't spent time with God listening to God's voice, he might have just went ahead and anointed that one. Because it looked like a good one to him. And I think that's where we get caught up sometimes. We get caught up in the what we see and think God wants to do and not what God's actually telling us to do. Uh, so for you and I to become set, we need to be obedient to his word, be obedient to the leading of his Holy Spirit. We need to get our hearts right, our motives right, to be able to present people with what God's sharing with us. Uh, because here's the thing. When we get to that point, that's the only time people are going to see genuine Christianity in you. Everything else is just going to be a farce. Everything else is just going to be fake. Everything else is just going to be like hypocritical. And they're they're going to know that. The world knows when you're being a hypocrite. I mean, whether you want to admit it or not, they know it when you're not living it. They can see it. And so the fact of the matter is, are we living it out so that God can approve of us? Are we being obedient? Are we listening to exactly what he's called us to do? So, of course, the last one is go. We're ready, we're set, and now we're going to go. And, of course, uh, the gun fires off and you take off as a runner. Uh, But like I said before, if you haven't properly done the ready and the set, you could fall flat on your face. If you haven't done the first necessary steps, it can be a disaster for you. Uh, how many of you have ever experienced that? You've gone out and tried to share your faith, and you just, I mean, it was just bad. And you're like, I don't even know why I'm even out here anymore. I, you know, matter of fact, just forget the whole thing. I'm not even sure if I'm a Christian. I just, just just forget it. Listen, I'll come back tomorrow. I'm going to go talk to the Lord and see if I can remember who he is. So uh, we've all had those experiences, and our go was disastrous. Our go was not what we wanted to be. But of course, we've all heard this go message. In Mark sixteen fifteen. it says, And then he told them, Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Okay, that seems easy enough. Just go and preach the gospel to everybody, right? Well, I just go out and tell people about Jesus. It's, it's just got to be that simple, right? But yet, we've all been frustrated going out and telling people about Jesus. So there's got to be more to it than just going and telling people about Jesus. Uh, so there's two reasons that we can be frustrated with our going and our lack of success. The first one, like we said, is that we didn't get properly ready and set. 
if you and I haven't got properly ready and set, then our go is going to be a failure. We have to we have to do those things. There's no getting around it. Uh, and here's the thing. We have to have developed our character to the point that people trust us. The ready and the set develops your character. The getting ready, the set, develops you into the person that God has called you to be and living a life for him at every moment in your life. In the middle of the night, when you stump your toe, when you step on a Lego, the words that come out of your mouth are where your character lies. And listen, if you get under enough pressure, you do the same thing at work. You do the same thing at Walmart. It's not just the middle of the night that it happens. And God wants us to reach the point where no matter where we're at, if we step on that Lego, that that Jesus' love somehow manages to steal seep out of us through the anger. We, I mean, we just we we have to get to that point. Uh so here's the thing. If that's where you've missed it, if you know that's where you've missed it and my go is a complete and utter failure, it's real simple. Start over. Go back. Get your block set back up. Start meditating on the Word. Start spending time with God. Start obeying Him. And you can get back to that point where you're effective in your going. Uh, and so here's the second reason that I believe Jesus tells them to go and preach the gospel to everyone. And in these next verses, he talks about people being baptized and being saved and those that believe and these signs will follow them. And we love all that stuff, man. Arms are going to grow, grow out. Heads are going to be like reshaped. And man, this is going to be awesome. Blind people are going to see. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, a snake's going to bite me and that's not going to bother me. And I'm going to drink poisonous stuff. And he talks about all this stuff. And in verse 20, he says this. And the disciples went everywhere and preached. So they were obedient. After all that, they actually went and did what he told them to do. And then he goes on and says, And the Lord worked through them, confirming what they said by many miraculous signs. Here's why we get frustrated. And the Lord worked through them. See, we jumped the gun. We tried to do it on our own. We forget that God's supposed to go with us. My grandma used to get frustrated with me. When I was a little kid. And she'd tell me. Adam. I'm fixing to run down the road. Screaming and pulling my hair out. I said grandma. I go with you. I just wanted to be with my grandma. And if, if she's running down the road. Screaming because I'm frustrating her. Pulling her head out. I'm going to be right there beside her. Because I wanted to be with grandma. See, we, we just have a tendency to jump the gun. We try to tell everybody about Jesus. We walk into Walmart, and the first person we walk up to, hey, do you know Jesus Christ? He should be your Lord and your Savior, man. He can change your life right now. And they're like, what? Man, I just got eggs. Uh, what are you talking about? I don't even, we're, never mind. Just, I'm going to forget. No, just never mind. So the question is, is God the one working or are you? Am I the one working? Or is God the one actually doing it? Is he working through me? Is he prompting me to speak or to pray for that person? Or am I doing this just because I believe it's the right thing to do? 
And we have good intentions. We want to help people. We want to pray for people. We want to see them well. We want to see them make Jesus Lord of their life and not go to hell when they die. But here's the thing. Did you realize you don't have to pray for every single person every single time they tell you there's something wrong with them? If someone comes and tells you, hey, I got a headache, the first thing out of your mouth should not be, hey, can I pray for you? Unless that's what the Lord tells you to say. See, we've gotten to the point where it's just second nature. As word of faith Christians, as charismatic Christians, man, we are like, hey, you got a headache? Listen, I've got a palm that is ready to heal you. I mean, that's, that's, that's where we've gotten. And we're like, and God never said, hey, pray for that person. And then we pray for them and they're like, my head still hurts. And I'm like, well, you just, listen, sometimes it's a process. God will. He's going to continue this healing process in you as you go from here. You know, sometimes Jesus lay hands and it says as they went, they were healed. We try to make it sound real spiritual. And God's like, I didn't tell you to lay hands on them. Listen, when they walk off, their head's still going to hurt, I promise you. And so it's like we, we just, we want to do something good for God. And because of that, we miss the mark. And nothing happens. And we get frustrated. We wonder why God's not working. God's not using us. It's because God's not with us. We're doing it on our own. Uh, and so, here's the other thing. We so badly want to see this confirmation of miraculous signs. And I can't wait to raise somebody from the dead. This is going to be awesome. Find me a dead person. I'm going to raise them up. They're like, oh my goodness, please don't come to my funeral. Please. And here's, what, here's the thing. We figure if we pray for more people, we tell more people about Jesus, our odds of finding somebody that it works on are better. Right? If I do it enough times, eventually I'm going to hit the jackpot. And when I hit the jackpot, I'm going to celebrate. And it's like going to play golf. Oh, my gosh. You go out there and you play golf, and you can't hit the broads out of the barn, and the ball's in the woods, and the ball's in, in the gutter. And, and, and I'm wait, like, that's bowling. But anyway, the, the, the ball is all over the place. And then, man, you're out there, and you're like on the ninth hole, and you're only going to play nine that morning. You ain't got time to play 18 because that's just too tiring. And you're on the ninth hole, and the last shot, man, it just sails. Man, 200 yards in the air. It rolls up like two feet from the cup. And, man, you're like, Jesus is with me now. <laughs> and that one shot convinces you that next time you go back, your game's going to be on. And then you go back, and it's not. It's the same as it was the first eight holes that you played. But yet you go back because one good time it happened. We do that with our Christian walk. Somebody finally gets healed. Somebody finally gets saved. It finally works. And we're like, all gung-ho again. Let's do it. Let's talk to everybody again. And we get out there and we, we do that. And we miss the mark. Did you know that sometimes when you go tell people about Jesus and the Lord didn't lead you to do it, you're actually pushing them away? There are people that are not ready to hear it. And the Lord knows who those people are. He knows where their heart's at. And you and I have to be led by God to truly go out and be effective. So how do you and I go? 
First Peter said this. He says that we need to be ready to give an answer when someone asks us about the hope that's in us. Here's the thing. If someone comes to you and asks you why you're the type of person you are, why you're able to go through the situations you are, you need to be ready to give that answer. But here's the cool part. If they ask you, that means you're living something in front of them. It wasn't because you ever said a word. See, people come and ask people who aren't talking to them. People come and ask when someone is living a life before them like that. And so that's what we need to do. We need to live that life so that they'll come and ask. And Philemon, Paul prays that the sharing our faith would be effective. He wants us to be effective. Paul wants us to be effective. God wants us to be effective when we share our faith. But that's when he leads and he guides us. In 1 Corinthians, Paul says that he was compelled to share the gospel, which means that the Holy Spirit was leading him to go share. It got to the point where Paul said, it's, it's, it's so bad, woe unto me if I don't share this gospel. And we need to get to that point. We need to know that if we don't do this, that someone may miss it. Someone may miss their opportunity. They may walk around the corner and it be the last breath that they breathe. We never know that. We never know what's going to happen. But if God is compelling us to share, we should share. And in Romans and 2 Timothy, Paul tells us to never be ashamed. Never be ashamed when someone says, hey, are you a Christian? Always be prepared to say, yeah, I'm not a crazy one. I'm not going to sit here and I'm not going to beat you over the head with the Bible. But yeah, I love Jesus. Jesus loves me. And if you ever want to talk about it, I'm here. But that's totally up on you. All of these things make us great witnesses. Being effective. Not being ashamed. Simply uh, living a life that people come and ask us about this. And last but not least, being compelled, being given the unction to go out and share the gospel with Jesus, of Jesus Christ with people. So the way that we tell if we are ready, set, go, the way we tell these things is that the signs of, of, of God will follow us. And here's the thing. It may not be signs of arms growing out, dead people raising up, or blind people seeing. But it may be signs like this. The person you prayed for gets a job. Relationships are restored between couples and friends. Someone's eyes are being opened to the love of God. is simply a sign that God is using you. It may not be the miraculous great signs that we think we need to see. But if we start there, there may be a day that God calls upon you to go lay hands on a dead person. But are you going to be ready? I'm not sure if I'm ready. I may need a burning bush if God tells me to go lay hands on a dead person. I don't know if I'm there. But here's the thing. Was Jesus ever ineffective? Was Jesus ever ineffective? But he, he told us why he was not ineffective. In John five nineteen, it says, So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. And in John eight twenty six, he says, I have much to say about you and much to condemn, 
but I won't. For I say only what I have heard from you, who's the one who sent me, because he is completely truthful. Jesus only did what he saw the Father do and say what he saw the Father say. And because of that, he was never ineffective. He was always effective in everything that he did. So simply, guys, get ready. Meditate on the word. Get set. Obey what he's calling you to do. Do exactly what he's telling you to do. And last but not least, go. But always go with the Lord. Because here's the simple fact, guys. If you and I do not allow the Lord to work through us and go with us, your race and your start may look something like this. Okay, mate. That's great. All right, let's try a few starts. Now, so important to get this right. You can be 100% fit. You can be the best there is. But if your timing's out, so focus. Okay. And ready? Okay. Right. We're just a little bit late there. All right. It's a little bit late, so, okay. Try it again. Okay. Ready? Yeah, st- still a little bit late. Come back basically immediately after the gun. Okay. Okay. Immediately after the gun. Yeah. Okay, we'll okay. try the f- a full routine. Okay. Okay. Ready? Are you marks? Set. That again. There's just that tiny delay. Um, basically, if you can not delay at all. Okay, right, so that'd be... So no delay? Exactly. <laughs> no delay. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Ready? No. No. <laughs> Too small a delay there. Right. Okay, but basically you... You went off before I fired the gun. <laughs> okay. You all right? Yeah. All right. Got it? Yeah, I've got it. Okay. Ready? No, that's that's too too big a delay now. Right, right. I said, well, we'll try and rein it back to the original delay, okay? Okay, okay. All right. Got it? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Ready? Mike, that's what I mean. I mean, you're on your mark, set. That that was fine. But uh, you know, if if you you delay after the gun. That's that's the only sticking point, you see. Right. If you don't delay after the gun, then, uh, well, that's it. You're going to have it cracked. Right. I mean, you can run 100 metres in nine seconds. If you don't <laughs> delay, you're going to be an Olympic gold medalist. Mm-hmm. Simple as that. <laughs> I'll tell you what, we'll try, we'll try one more. We'll have a break. Have a cup of tea, all right? Okay. 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 Yep. Yep. Ready? Perfect. That's it, Mike. All right, straight line. Straight line, Mike. Straight line. That's it. Straight line, Mike. Put on straight line. Back on the track. Back, Mike. You're right. 